This is the It's Time to Refresh podcast with Brad Refresh, the podcast about life, music, traveling, shit, literal shit that is, and weird and wacky stories with Brad and a range of guests from the planet Earth. Feel free to share the pod with your pals, your mom, your neighbor's dog, or even your shrink. It's all fun. You can follow our Facebook group called It's Time to Refresh Community or It's Time to Refresh on Instagram. Write into the pod, ask questions, and share your stories. Enjoy the pod! Hey kid, what time is that? It's time to refresh! You all right, how are we doing? I uh, just want to take two minutes of your time before we start this week's podcast uh, to tell you about our Patreon. Patreon is a tool that we're using to help the podcast grow, um, give you better content and, well, as I said, just let the podcast grow. So we've got three tiers. The first tier, there's only 20 of these spaces available and it's £1 for life and that's for It's Time to Refresh Originals. So if you've tuned in from day one uh, and you want to join the cause, you can sign up for £1. Um, just follow the link in the description. Uh, we've got the standard Patreon, which you get access to bonus episodes, uh, some exclusive content, Patreon specials, which we'll be recording, and uh, early access to all future episodes. So you'll be getting them on a Tuesday instead of a Friday, uh, which I think is fucking amazing for three quid. That's less than a coffee. And then we've got our legend status VIP Patreons, which is uh, £10. And that gets you tickets to all my gigs um, and it will get you free entry to any It's Time to Refresh associated um, events, gigs in the future. Um, So that's a little hint of what's coming up in the future. Um, If you do like the podcast, then please share it with your mates. We are trying to grow this little thing we've got going. We've got some amazing guests coming up in the future as well. um, And we want this to go bigger and better. So sign up at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash it's time to refresh thank you enjoy the episode uh back once again with another podcast uh this is a very special episode we've got one and only mc finchie how we doing yeah all good all good hot (laughs) very hot yeah um we've come down today uh to stews and basically we're gonna get cracking on i want to get into your story a bit i know you've you've told it on other like podcasts that you're your own and you've like touched on certain things. I don't know, you were on Rob's podcast as well. Yeah. And you touched on the frequency stuff, but I want to get like right back to the beginning. So um, how are you doing anyways? Have you got some gigs coming up or Yeah, all good. Uh, yeah, full steam ahead, um, as it's been for the, the whole year, really. Um, I mean, this is actually, for, for the past year now, I've had, all my weekends are pretty much taken up by January. I have like the odd weekend here and there, but I do give myself one weekend off a month. So yeah. this is the weekend I've actually got off. Um, <laughs> and I've so, dragged you to do this. No, it's all good. So, yeah, I've got, um, well, spending time with a bit of friends and that this weekend, which I don't get to do that often, so... I was going to ask that, because, like, I'm just me and I do my sort of gigs every so often. I'd, I'll sort of do maybe once or twice a month, if that, and, like, it's only one day. But you, you're, like, the busiest, one of the busiest people in the scene. Yeah. Like, how do you find the work-life balance? Yeah, it's, it works fine for me now, because I literally I do pretty much one gig a week um the only exception if there's like a good if there's a good couple of gigs that land on the same weekend um i'll do it like for instance the end of the month i've 
doing the annual Clubland event in Edinburgh, which is always a sellout. And mm-hmm. then on the Sunday, um, there's a festival in, in Newcastle called Loose Fest. Right. So, you know, if stuff like that does come around where it's a festival or a big event, I'll, I, I do tend to do it. So, yeah, um, generally speaking, though, yeah, it's just one one a week and it worked well for, for what I want to do. Um, I've, I've done it where I've done three, four a week. Yeah. And it just it, it became more of like a... A job, than like, yeah, more yeah. like a job. Whereas at the minute, I still, it's a bit like a job, but it's more of a hobby. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you're not, you're not dedicating yourself to like a nine to five as such. It's like yeah, you, you just, just do it. Do it. Yeah, yeah, do yeah. But like knowing how busy you are in the scene, I've just I've always thought like it must be a, like having not like a full time job as well. Like you must be like insane to like balance it, but yeah. you seem to have got it in, yeah, in a mean, nice position. I've been doing it now, it's like 18, 18 years. So I think once you've been, you, you kind of understand, you know, what, what works for you, what doesn't. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it can be tempting because you know, the money can be quite good to just take everything and everything. But then you, again, you start, I start moving into the territory where it, at one point it did become a job and I didn't enjoy it so yeah. yeah it takes a bit of time it takes a bit of getting used to it but you know you, you have to make sacrifices which people don't tend to see and you know you've missed occasions you miss parties you miss yeah. friends spending time with family misses etc so you know it can take its toll but it's it's, yeah. it's all good right so uh, I know I sort of got onto a thing there but I want to start at the beginning with you like uh I'm sure you've told it before, but I just want to hear from from the beginning of Finchy. Like, we MC Finchy from the start, or what well, was no, the that's, that's one of the stories uh, that I tell. So when I first started, um, yeah, like Crick was like the Crick CDs were were massive around Wigan. Well, Wigan P was the first time I heard the music, yeah, and then Crick was the first time I heard like MC, and it was Farrell and Avi on the infamous Crick All Nighter with PMB and Stephen J. Yeah, 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 best yeah, no, that one. CD ever. So I first heard that and I was like, wow, this is this is a bit of me. Um, I, will, I will do at the time. So that would have been probably 2002, 2003. Mm. So yeah, I would have been 13. Um, so I was at a house party and I stole the CD and then that was it. I had it on repeat non-stop within two weeks. I knew the whole CD. I think everyone heart. does yeah, though, don't they? everyone like, does. Every now and then we put it... When you said it there at the... Um, and B's team in jail. I was like, oh yeah, that, that, yeah. that one. <laughs> well, that's a funny thing because it's mad because obviously as times progress and I've got, you know, become mates with yeah. um, Farrell and Avi, um, it's mad because obviously at, the, at the time when I first heard it, I was like, wow, these are like, in, in my eyes, they were megastars. I was like, I, I couldn't believe, I, I, it properly blew my mind. I knew like straight away, then I thought, right, this is something I want to do. Because I, I think I'd already, with the Wigan Pier stuff, um, I'd already had decks. My dad was into. He's always been into involved with music, so I, I already had some decks. So I was. I had a basic kind of understanding of music, and it already. What styles you playing? Uh, all bounce that. stuff. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. So oh, really? Was, like from, like before I was even a. I went to high school. I was listening to, you know, like Key One or Three Rock FM on Friday nights. Used to have dance music. Yeah. You know, obviously, trance was like big. Was the big thing around then. So it's. You know, Bounce used to have elements of trance in it. So I was always listening to that high energy dance stuff. stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was like, yeah, the Bounce stuff, the old trance stuff was what I used to have. And then, um, yeah, when I heard the, the MC and that's that, when I heard that CD, that's when I it's decided a bit surreal. that's what I wanted to do. It's a bit surreal thinking about it because you were saying about how, you, how it was with Farrell and Avi there. And it's like, I remember 
LimeWire and I downloaded a um, frequency CD. It was like first time I'd heard you and Ozzy, I think it was. Yeah. And I, I listened to this and then I thought, like, obviously I was only young at the time, so you just excuse me, do you know what I mean? But I thought, oh, these must be like, like, two back and biggie like you know what i mean no, like that <laughs> yeah, like because yeah. you because obviously the only sort of output i had to like hearing rappers or out like that it was um you'd watch like um movies and it'd be like eight mile and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you think oh, i wonder if that's how they got into it and then that's how it is and i just thought i bet they're dead famous and then obviously when you get when you get to into the scene and stuff you're just like oh they're just normal people yeah. like me do you know what i mean yeah that's it that's the good thing as well especially about like in, in bounce music in particular is Pretty much everyone who I've met throughout the years, everyone's been sound. Um, like I said, listen to the Wigan Pierce stuff, so like Mikey B and Ben T, yeah. you know, makes a good friend, has been for years. I mean, I've just been playing golf with Ben. Me and Ben play golf every week. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's mad because, yeah, a lot of the people who I've met throughout have, have really been, been sound. Um, I think he even said to you like the other day, in 18 years, I've, I don't really dislike <laughs> one or two Many people, people, maybe. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Um and, you know, I think it's pretty good going and says a lot about the scene. But I think it's, you know, a, a lot of people from other scenes have always said, you know, what's kind of the magic formula? Why does everybody get on? And I think with, with anything, whether it be business or, um, you know, any any kind of community, anything like that, it starts with the people at the top. Yeah. And if they still kind of, you know, have a good ethos and, and have and they're sound with everybody else, that is only going to trickle down. Whereas, you know, you get in, in other scenes where maybe the people who were at one point running things or in charge pulling a lot of strings you know didn't really work more out for themselves where it's it's a bit more there's a bit of selfishness don't get me wrong but it's a very kind of selfless scene everyone helps each other out i find i've found that since i've i've came to the scene i've tried other genres of music and that as well and it's always there's always like people who don't want to share ideas and stuff like oh say how did you do this or how did you do that and they're like oh that's my thing i'll do that that's fair enough but they've always been the thing of, of helping. Like, um, I was learning to produce music and when it come come along to it, it's like there's a lot of people out there who in the scene who are just really uh, helpful and, they are, as you say, selfless. Um, it's like if you ask for advice or guidance of anybody like that, it's um, it's there. It's not like other scenes where, obviously, I've, I've dipped my toe in, in other scenes, done a bit of hardcore and a bit of house music. And it seems to be they're all at the race to the top. Not not so much hardcore, but my house, it's like, that's what I've found. I'm not trying to be negative or anything like that. But everyone's trying to get that big hit. And it's like, um, and the only way you can sort of learn the, the styles of the producing the music is if you pay for the courses and stuff like that. Whereas yeah. you see a lot of the lads now who's doing tutorials and that online, and they want to bring through the next generation of... Yeah of um producers or, or and even anything like that all the competitions that get put on you always see um now like there's, there's room two competitions and the next minute the guys who are, who are who are winning these competitions are playing main room and they're sort of building the air for themselves yes. um what do you think of the scene at the mini like do you think it's i know the numbers are down across sort of across the board but like what do you think like do you think it's, it's in a healthy position there's a lot of content there's a lot of like there's a lot of music being put out like mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, I can think of um, like every week um, you get releases on obviously your beat post, your Juno stuff like that. But then you've got Acceleration Digital, you've got um, you've got Clubbed. Um, they're putting out music every week. It's like it seems to be a lot of stuff getting put out. Um, what what do you think the state of the scenes like at the mini? Um, I think there's a lot of papering off of the cracks, if I'm honest, uh, yeah. in terms of the music because I think 
at the minute we're we're in the like I said, the numbers are down, and that's only been the last six months. But yeah. that's just not our music. It's right across the industries. There's festivals, events being cancelled left, right, and centre. Just living um, cost of living yeah, crisis. Is yeah, and it's it's very reminiscent of what it was like in late two thousands. Yeah, the late like two thousand and ten kind of era when the recession hit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff at the time as well that was being churned out music wise was a lot of chart remixes which seems to be happening again very prevalent and they're the ones that seem to be getting pushed so there's there's a lot of um yeah in terms of content there's some really good stuff being being made yeah. i just that don't think we've again we've not progressed much in terms of music and original stuff which i've always been a big advocate of um i think when we went through a stage a few years ago of like people doing house remixes which were in the charts which mm. is not too bad but now again, we're stepping into that territory where we're donking over everything, yeah. Ed Sheeran and bloody and um, anybody using the which are not dance tunes; they're just the pop tunes. So I've, that's um, happening a lot again. I've I've come across this quite a lot, like, um, but from on the other side of the coin, it seems to be at the mini that you could put out um, a chart remix, and you know it's going to do good numbers straight away. So it's mm-hmm. like producers are just being lazy with it and doing it, but it's getting them the recognition. So, like, I know people in the scene who've put out some good original music, but it just doesn't get the, the push. The, no. The, do you know where I'm coming from? So, yeah. like, it's... And it, it can be frustrating at times. I've, I've wrote original music, and then when you pay for, like, a vocalist, or, and, then you, and then you pay for, like... Do you know what I mean? Everything that happened, like, like professionally mastered music, and for it just to, like, fall by the wayside, it's a bit disheartening. So you can see why some people just jump on doing the latest chart remix where they can get yeah. the vocal offline, put it in, and the next minute they've, they've got a best-selling tune on, like, these independent sites. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all short-term game as, gain as well. Uh, I mean, like, long-term, it, like I said, short-term, it might get your name about, mm. and, you know, you might do all right off it. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, nobody's going to be making millions. So I think... I mean, this is just me personally, but I just think for the small investment, yeah, you get, you might get a sales back, you might lose a bit, mm. you might break even, but long term, it's a better body of work than just grabbing definitely. The chart. But I mean, that's how I'm seeing it at the minute. Um, I think the events as well, it's going to be survival of the fittest again, like it was in 2010. Yeah, uh, I think that a lot of the events that were going, those left events going up left, right, and centre. Um, I think they're going to die off. I think, but we'll just have to see what the cost of living does. I think it's going to be a challenging twelve months for for everybody anyway. Yeah, but. I think people are picking and choosing what events rather than you see some people who will go out like sort of maybe two or three weekends out of the month, whereas now strain on the cash and it's just maybe one yeah. event a month. Yeah. So then, once, yeah, but but it's getting to the point now once every six weeks. And yeah. It's not like they're really picking and choosing. It's like they've no option it's like yeah. when they, i know they've, but they've got to pick yeah, one to go to plan advance yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, i mean but that's i mean it sounds a bit negative but i'm a bit of a realist as well that's just how i've seen it and i've noticed definitely in the past month yeah um then numbers dropping i mean i'm quite fortunate because i do get to play quite big events but yeah. even those guys are the numbers are dropping so yeah. while they might have had a couple thousand last year they've down to like 1500 or a thousand this this time around so yeah i understand but we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll survive <laughs> uh, we sort of went off on a tangent there but i want to want to get in into the um you, you discovering the bounce music and that and obviously yeah. you become friends with all the lads from pier and you, you, as i say you're, you, you're friends with them on a personal level now mm. obviously um so where was the first gig where um, was it um, as finchy or well yeah so 
I think revisit the what I was going to say before. So I think geography play has always played a big part in in I think how successful I've been. I think that's I've been lucky in that part because I'm from Wigan. Mm. It's like I always said, bounce music's like the heartbeat of Wigan. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's like the hub for the whole country yeah, as well. It's like ev- everybody likes it, even the people that pretend not to mm. do like it. You put after you put a few beers on, yeah, on a, yeah, yeah. at a party, at a wedding, christening, funeral, anywhere you you put it on in Wigan, people are up dancing, going off. Everybody knows the songs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, once I started getting into the MCing, um, there was one of a lads who had, had decks locally as well, Chris Parr. So I'd go around to his, we'd do. Um, like record mixes and whatnot um, on his tape and yeah they they started getting passed out like round schools so I kind of had a bigger bit of a name for myself already I was always I was always quite popular in school I was one of them I had friends kind of all over different yeah. places in Wigan so I was kind of well known already so with me emceeing that was like another yeah like, so I became known as oh it's Finchy the lad who can who can emcee so at the time you had Maxims every Wednesday used to do an under 18s and it was an open mic um and they used to be in under 18s at 51st State, but I never went to the Maxims uh, one at, at the start. I used to go to 51st State. Yeah. Um, which is now pure, isn't which it? Which is now pure. Yeah. Um, so there used to be like 2,000 kids in there once a, <laughs> month, once a month. So going around trying Insane. to snog as many girls as, as you could. <laughs> and then there used to be, you could wait for quite a while for, for a go at the mic. And mm-hmm. MC Joker was the MC there at the time. So um, yeah, eventually that was the first time I physically got on stage in a club. What was the first um, lyric you recorded on these tapes? Like, what was um, your, the first one where it's like, oh, people are noticing? Purple Aki. Purple, yeah. Purple Aki and Coronation Street were the first two right. that I ever wrote. See, so, yeah, I remember getting them off, like, LimeWire and yeah. stuff like that, and it was, it's like, oh, this sounds different, because, like, I've never heard someone MC about Ryan Cropper before. Yeah. You know, not but just one of those things, and it's, yeah. like, different, and it's, you're not taking yourself too seriously, where you see some of these people and they'll, they'll fire up bars where it's, like, I don't know, about fucking you up, or, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, pretend to be a G but it's like it's not that is it it's no but that was always like because I just all I ever spoke about was stuff that was you know relevant to right. what I knew and what I did and that's why I, I never identified like with rap um, I can and grime and stuff these days as well I can appreciate what they do and you know what they do is, is really good but I just can't identify with it I can't, no, I can't relate to it I've, I've never come from the hood you know, I wasn't, <laughs> don't get wrong I wasn't brought up I was I was kind of dragged. I was a scoundrel, but you know, it's, you know, I just I was just kind of typical scally when I was a teenager. You know, yeah. all this other stuff I can't relate to. So yeah, just that was my my kind of ethos. Really, was just entertain, make people laugh. And I always remember, actually, I can't remember where I wrote um, Per Placky, but I do remember writing Coronation Street. It was in the front room of Chris Parr's house. Yeah, and I remember a few people who were there, and we kind of it was like I was like I'm gonna write this. About Coronation Street, so start, start writing it down. So yeah, so that they were the first two that I wrote, and um, yeah, then we started going to Maxims. There. Oh, they had a MC competition at Fifty First State, mm. um, so I put my name forward for that. And then, how did the, you do that? Was this because obviously I don't know what, what year is this? Sorry. So this was like yeah, probably still two thousand. This probably moving on to two thousand three now. Right. 2003 2004 so did you have to physically go to them and like put well your name they forward? just said like they used to have a flyer said oh we're having an mc competition go and give your name in with yeah. your details winner got one i think you got a recorded cd at the end of the night and by this point i had been recording on the cd because yeah. 2002 like i think mini disc was as good as you could get yeah um for like your everyday jaw like 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 we was and um 
then what was it then? Oh yeah, you won a CD, and then you got a gig at under eighteens in Carlisle. Right, randomly. So, yeah, randomly. So yeah, I put my name down. Um, it's like I had a quite a decent following already for like the under eighteens, um, and then yeah, I got on the final. Um, Avi was the judge he was like my <laughs> idol at the time so I was like no way I'm going to see Avi in the flesh so yeah. and Avi's yeah. going to see UMC yeah. as well so um, yeah the final came and I ended up winning that and then I started at Maxim's I started going to Maxim's then because 51st stopped, stopped running mm. um, who run the 51st yeah, nice, it was it? PMB right okay he still owes me that CD as well <laughs> no, in fact he made me buy the CD and he still owes me that gig. That's still, tight. That's I tight. <laughs> I bought the CD, and yeah, he still owes me the uh, still owes me the gig. Um, but yeah, and then I went to Maxim's. But then when I went to Maxim's, uh, in between that, I met a lad called Fishburn. who was a lad who was quite a few years older than me, three or four years older. Mm. Um, and he used to come down. We used to go like round to different friends' houses on decks and whatnot. And he come down, and he just sounded so much better than what I did in terms of his voice and how he sounded on the mic. So he he, he was one who taught me how to really project my voice and to improve my voice. So that was what made me stand out a lot at the under 18s when I went to, you know. Well, what's yeah, now it's pure? Not, it's not formal club. training, is it? But it's it's yeah. guidance from somebody who's got experience. Yeah, because you know, if you put anyone, any random person who thinks they can do a bit of MCing because they do it in the shower and shove a mic in front of them, nine times yeah. out of ten they're going to sound not too good. <laughs> so that was like the immediate head start I had. I could project my voice well in the clubs, and then that transcended when I went to Maxi's, which is an even, which was probably one of the hardest places ever to MC in terms of hearing yourself. Yeah. Um, they had, again, they had an open mic there and I've, I've got on and then straight away, you know, when I first went on, I seen Scotty G was the MC there. I seen him kind of like, you know, turn round and he, he like, he, he took a shining to me and kind of took me under his wing. Um, and then I was doing that then for the best part of, I don't know, nine months, maybe a year, every single Wednesday, I was going down to the under 18s and then eventually I was stood outside in the queue or oh, by this point uh, I used to call myself MC Mint <laughs> so this, uh, um, I was stood in the queue and the owner walked past and I've just said I, I Pete I kind of uh-huh. he kind of knew who I was I knew who he was and I used to say alright and he'd like say oh you're alright and stuff I never right, Mint lad yeah, I, never, <laughs> I, never, I never used to speak to him um, and this one time he's like walked past me I said alright and then he stopped and then he's walked back and he said come with me so we walked to the front of the queue and I was glad because the queue was around the block um, every every week. So I was thankful for that. Oh, get in, queue jump. And then he's just said to the bounce, he said, let this lad in for free every week. I was like, bloody hell, that's all right. <laughs> Save himself 250 there. Uh, <laughs> get himself another panda pop. <laughs> so then, so I walked in and he said, um, you know, I really like, I really like what you do. I think you're really good. Um, he said, we used to get a free CD every single week on, upon entry, which yeah. was last the last week's recording. Oh, we've got Hello. a friend. Come here, Maud. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, man, honestly. It's a little cameo for I you. Knew, I knew she was going to... I knew she'd be knocking about at one point. <laughs> so we used to get this uh, previous week's recording. You got that free upon yeah. entry. That was like our under as well. You would get like a... Like a CD three or something like that of a CD pack and they'll just... Yeah, if they had more of them and get... Yeah. yeah. So he said... Um, what's your MC name? So I'm going to start putting your name on the CD because it used to be like DJ Tom or Gaz mm. Hypnotic. Pete Daly used to come down every now and then. Jamie Agar did. Mm. Um, so at this point, this was like, oh, I've been calling myself MC Mint. I thought, this could be big there. So I'm like, do I want to be known as MC Mint for the rest of my life? And I just went, uh, Finchy. 
and then that was it. So we put my name as Finchin. Yeah, the rest was history. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine an alternative universe. Well, there will be an alternative universe out there where there's the MC it. Mint vodka rhyme sort of thing. <laughs> in, a, yeah, in a parallel universe, there's a guy called MC Mint yeah. who, when he's got his big shot, no, there's a guy called MC Finchy who, when he got asked what his MC name was, went, I'm MC Mint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed for you, sorry. It's, no, it's all good. It's, it's, it's funny, I mean, I, I always tell it, it's, obviously it's mm. just part of part and parcel of it. Uh, I would, you wouldn't change it either, just because they take, as you say, funny story for yeah. podcasting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was going to say, so you're starting to get your, note, your name and that about. Obviously, you must be under 18 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think from, like 15, like probably 15 by this point at Maxim's. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I had my name on the CDs probably, I don't know, six to nine months, something like that. So I was there every week um, and I became like a resident of the under 18. So my name was on the flyers. And then just out of the blue, Pete's just said to me, um, Are you ready for the under eight, uh, over 18s? So how old are you at this point? 16. 16. Yeah, so still in school. Mm-hmm. So um, I said, Yeah. He said, Right. He said, Well, come down. Um, on Saturday, it was um, National Anthems 2005. He said, come down on Saturday. He said, you can do the first hour and then he said, you can just get off after that if you want. He said, so you can see what it's like. So I was like, right, happy days. So I've turned up on, I've caught the bus there on the Saturday. Uh, I've seen at school, I've no, like, you know, yeah. I don't have money. So <laughs> it's like, I grew up, I didn't have money at all. There was, you know, I had to, I had to work to earn anything. I do got. what you're doing, that's yeah. what it is. So I've turned up. And I was stood outside and I thought the queue was big on a Wednesday. This queue was like, it was Insane. double the size. It was double the size and it's fully grown people, like Did you, did you find yourself intimidated at all because of your, your age? No, or? not intimidated. I think it was just more nervous energy. I just wanted to get in there and kind of do me thing because... Did anybody know Finchy? <laughs> so. um, well, at the time I didn't know. I just went kind of on my own. Yeah. Um, I, was, I knew I was going to do all right because when other MCs would come down and do done a guest slot at the under-18s. I could kind of hold my own with them. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't phased at all in terms of actually going and doing the gig. Uh, but, yeah, it was, like, a bit crazy. St- st- I stood on the opposite side of the, the road waiting for the doors to open and then, obviously, the bouncers knew me by that point, so I just, like, kind of walked in. But, yeah, I didn't know anybody in, in the club apart from people who I'd met. So I'd, I'd met... Well, I've met Wiggy as well. He was he yeah. was a resident at the under eighteen, so we became like good friends. And he got his, he made his debut the same night as well. Same night, yeah. Are so, you a similar age? No, Wiggy is three years older than me. Right. Um, so yeah, he was like eighteen, nineteen at the time. Right. Um, so yeah, we both made our debut that night. So I, I did the first hour, and then um, I said to Pete, I said, "Oh, do you mind if I if I stay?" He went. He said, "Yeah, of course you can." So like all the all the other MCs were like proper sound. It was like Blazy, uh, Roach. Um, so Scotty G I knew well from doing the under 18s yeah. um, I met Rhythm for the first time and he was one of my other idols as well mm. I had like Avi F-E-Z Rhythm and Layback were the ones who I used to Layback's find crazy. the CDs and find them on yeah. they was like my favourite MCs at the time so yeah they all they all took me under the wing all like looked after me and then it was on, when I was there I recognised quite a few people who, yeah. who I knew who were a few years older so like my friends brothers and sisters yeah, yeah. and stuff so then after a few weeks of going, then, yeah, I bumped into quite a few people who were new, like a few people who were older in school and a few people who were new off, off the estate who were a few years old. So then I kind of started going down with them. So um, I knew people. And then at the time I was a member on like Wigan Tonight. So yeah. it was like the, the, the Facebook of its day. So then 
once I joined that, and then I started to get to know people on that, and then without knowing, I was just basically I was I was a record at the time, so I was just going partying every single weekend, <laughs> going to Maxims, going, ended up in some random gaff all over the northwest. But in effect, I was networking, I was meeting people from different yeah, towns. So you didn't realise we don't didn't, didn't realise. So it's only when I look back now, it was actually a good thing to do at the time. Absolutely. And then that's how I got my name, got my name like. Got my name round, really. Um, so, yeah, it was um, no crazy times. Good though. I find it really hard sometimes network with people. Not, not network, because network sounds very very fake. But, like, because I don't go to after parties and stuff like that, you don't get the, the late-night conversation of when you're wrecked and it's like, da-da-da, and then do you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I talk to people, people think I'm very serious and, and not blunt, but, like, I take it too seriously. I mean, I'm a complete idiot in the heart, do you know what I mean? Like, I think we said similar things growing up. Like, I come from... No money, I turn all my own money and that. So, like, when I, I remember getting my first wage and buying, um, I know this is sort of off subject, but I bought um, a dance factory pack. Like you, you were on yeah. the CD, so let's have a look who's on the back. So, and then it's saying who it was, Finchin. And ever since then, like, I've always, when I've been, when I grew up, I was like, right, I want to be involved with what these guys are doing, do this. And yeah, that's that's how it, how it came for me. And Obviously, we come. I'm like the generation after you, so it's like when you see people on the flyer and when and you're on the flyers with them, it's a bit it's a bit surreal. So I can relate to the Scotty G thing when you're yeah. there, or or like um, Blaze Rhythm and that up there for the first time and you're, you're rubbing shoulders with them. I can imagine it's like a oh well a, a peak now. Yeah, so that's how it felt like. No, like, it just felt like I belonged there. It sounded, yeah. it's, it was weird because. Oh no! I mean, there was no aspirations outside of that. Um, like that's, that's these yeah, are the guys it, I listen to. Yeah, it, there was no again. There was no real aspirations. I was just yeah. I was just winging it. I was just taking each week as it comes. I was just I was going to Maxims. I was just getting on the mic. There was no. I never. I think I always thought, oh, I'd love to do the over 18s, but mm. it weren't like I didn't have any. I weren't like this is what I'm gonna do. Mm. It was just. I just Natural went progression. Yeah, I just yeah. went to school, went out on Friday, got pissed. I went out on Saturday, went to Maxim's, got off my box and then came on Monday and Class. then went back to school. <laughs> that was that was just how it, there was no right, I'm gonna do here, I'm gonna do there. It all just kind of came to me. Uh, there was no kind of plan or master plan. It was just it just yeah, it was yeah just doing fun. it. It was just like so it was a bit of fun. When you were doing this, were you known as like the cool kid because you were the one going to the over eighteens where I can imagine yeah. a lot of people who as you say bounce being the hub in Wigan of like the heartbeat of Wigan, it's like What's it like there? What's it like people yeah. questioning you? Is that what it was? Yeah, a bit, a bit of that. I mean, on like, my brother said he seen you, in Maxims. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, it was. Yeah, there was a bit of that. Um, I mean, I was quite lucky. The school I went to, it was like a pretty rough school. But my year, there was it was proper sound. We had a proper, we had a scream. Oh mm. yeah, there was no real idiots. Everyone was kind of good mates. We had a scream, so there was no. I didn't get put on a pedestal or, or anything. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, You know, I've always, all my mates, even like my close mates who mates, I've been mates with for a long time, you know, they, they don't put me any, on any type of pedestal, you know. Yeah, they, that's, that's humbling, isn't it? Yeah yeah, 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 so, and it's always been the same. So, yeah, I was never one, I've, it might, from the outside looking in, people might have thought that, but in my eyes, people didn't really change um, yeah. around me. Um, everyone's always kind of been the same so I just see myself as the same person really I like to think it didn't change me anyway yeah I, I mean I'm just asking because when I I was playing in clubs at like 16 so a lot of my friends like had to, hadn't even been able to get out yet so like we had a local um, club and everyone tried to get into that one club and then maybe a handful would get in like out of our whole year group and then we'd go to school on the Monday and it's like oh, I've seen you and so and so blah. and then all these people like, oh look at me I'm, I'm cool I've got all this yeah. thing but like 
for a bounce MC to be Maxine. It's like it's, it's big. It's yeah, big thing. I, I think so personally. Anyways, no, I think definitely if, t- if I take stock of it and look back, then you know it was a it was yeah. quite. You a got a lot thing, early, but, didn't you? Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was, but to me, like I said, it was just I was just there was no doing plan. It. I was just doing it. It was just like for me, it was just like getting up and going brushing my teeth. It was just <laughs> so, I liked him seeing like I like playing golf now. You know, I don't <laughs> feel that's just it was just what I was doing at the time and yeah. happened to be get get noticed and do all right. Excellent. So when you're, you're doing this, um, are you recording mixes at this point? Is there mixes going out or is there any mixes that still you still hear from that era now where it's like um, a famous CD? Not really. I mean, Maxim's, I mean, you were saying yourself before, I mean, like I said, I didn't really, I grew up in a nice area, but we didn't, we didn't have much money in, in my house. You had to, like I said, you had to, you had to go and earn it. Um, and I remember when I started getting paid from Maxim's, you used to get, I used to think I started. I didn't get nothing for the first nine months, but I used to get last week's CD pack, which were worth about fifteen quid. Yeah. So what I used to do is whoever's house I end up back into, I said this is like my gift to you. So I'd always give. I could have had the ultimate Maxime CD collection, but I give them out every week. Then after the nine months or so, I started getting getting paid. I think it's twenty five quid. Yeah. But that was I had to do the under eighteen as well. If I didn't do the under eighteens, because I started because I was like after a year in, two years, you know, yeah. I'm getting to eighteen. I don't want to go and do these under 18s every every week yeah um if i didn't do that i got docked 15 quid no i got <laughs> docked 10 sorry so i had to do that for 25 quid but <laughs> again i'd just go parties and that i'd always just go on buying booze yeah um so yeah it was yeah that's just what it was like really um, so when was your first out that, of i think? mean the mixes was i mean coming back like with maxims as well like i say it was a difficult place to to mc in um and sound good um so that's why I used to go back to parties if they had decks and everything set up and I could show what I could really do that yeah. everyone was like kind of a bit blown away yeah. um, and it was around that time that well, a bit earlier on actually before I set at Maxis I managed to sneak into a club called The Flame in yeah. Wigan and I knew Alex R and Hodge because they was on Wigan tonight Yeah. so they was, de- they was DJ and I got on the mic there and I'd introduce myself and we always said oh we need to do a mix we'll do a mix because all i wanted to do was record a proper cd somewhere yeah. um so we end up i got from party and I, that's where i met Azzy. he was on wigan tonight as well yeah and then we arranged a date to go and do a cd and then i think the night before i was probably with Azzy, and i said do you want to come down and do this cd this mix so he said yeah let's go and do it so we went we did it and straight away we knew it was like this, yeah. is, this is going to do really well. So it was like, we need a name. So that's how, as it came up with Frequency. Yeah. So Frequency One was the first CD outside of kind of the Maxims. Maxims thing. That we put up and then that just blew up. I think we had about 8,000 downloads on it. Bad, on the it? first <laughs> one. So that was that was when then I started, we started recording the mixes yeah. and, and going down that avenue and away from away from Maxims. You were, as another thing that I think is insane, like as you say, you were just going with the flow at the time, but you were creating this brand and you didn't even know. know. Like Frequency now is one of the big names ever in Bounce and you just, you just done this, oh, we'll do this Frequency CD and it's like, yeah. you don't even realise what you're doing when you do it. Like you say, you, when you were saying you were networking and stuff like that when it was a bit... Uh, you didn't even know you were doing it when you were just going house parties and then now you've created frequency and you don't even know what this know. thing's going to be and it's but that's how that's how, how, how a lot of stuff started you know yeah. within all kinds of music scenes oh, absolutely, people yeah. don't normally especially when you're just young and you know you're just out it's for a good time fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you just yeah. you don't plan these things you just do it and then 
some things work, sure. some things some things don't. But I think we knew once we recorded that first one, it was mm. like, this is this is good, this. When we was listening it back and then, you know, we'd take it, it was the CD being played at all the after parties and it nice. was all, that's all anyone started speaking to me about when I was in Maxim's, like, mm-hmm. when's the new frequency CD coming out? Like, we were recording, Maxim's were getting recorded every week, but... Yeah. Nobody was really fussed. Everyone did wanted you, to hear more frequency. Did you find yourself, like you were saying, like I've I've got a lot of the recordings from Maxime's, the, the mic on it's not great. It was always a bit low. Yeah, low. I, I found that. Um, so when you were doing the frequency stuff, because you were, as you say, you were in a smaller space and people could hear you, could, you could do your thing a bit more. Yeah. And I think that's probably why it's done as well as it did. Yeah, that's why I always knew as well. I always knew after a bit of time at Maxime's when I'd... I'd learned a lot of learned a lot of new stuff and i could freestyle really well i had loads of rhymes which i didn't really do at maxims i needed mm. an outlet to to channel all that and that's why i really what i was keen to do the cd uh, because i did know that it was something that i needed to do at the time um but then yeah frequency was the the thing that kind of took it to a new level am i right in thinking was it frequency two two you'd done the vodka rhyme is that right um I know it was at Frequency 1, that, actually. But I first did the Vod Crime. It was on just a Maxime CD. Yeah. Um, because I didn't really... I didn't write it. I just freestyled it. It just came off the top of my head. But it was one of those... YouTube started coming around at the time and LimeWire, like you mentioned, yeah. and Bershaw and all that kind of jazz. So I think I just I just made it up off the top of my head on the spot. And then <laughs> someone just got that track, put it... And it was like yeah. went viral on Bluetooth and people's phones and stuff like that. So, if it, so it went from frequency one track three to like MC Finchy vodka, vodka. tune. That's, yeah. that's I had it on my phone and blues. I was guilty of having it. And it yeah. was, and I I always just found that like that one was maybe just the right place, the right time, and you yeah just blew up naturally because everyone had it. Like mm. well, everyone around my area did anyways, and yeah. We live hundreds of miles apart, so <laughs> it's obviously done well. Yeah. Um, so when was your first out-of-town gig? So, like, obviously you've, you've built a good reputation for yourself in Wigan. So when did other people come calling? Um, where was it? First gig I had outside of Maxim's was at a place called Swiss Bar in Burnley. Mm. Um, I got friendly with a lad called Brad Hurst from Burnley. Uh, it was same age as me, and he was he, he was a lunatic. Um, and we kind of I don't know we'd always kind of spoke like I don't know if it's like MSN days or something. He was mm. kind of one of them people I'd never met but knew who he was. And then his friend put on on an event, and they ended up booking me for that. I think I got thirty quid or something. Um, so that was my first out of town gig. But then that night I met Lewis Pierce LP, yeah, who, who had Fluids Bar at the time. Mm-hmm. So I got chatting with Lewis and then he said, oh, I'll, I'll book you for, for my place. So I used to, he used to book me once a month in Burnley. So that was, yeah, that was, again, I was probably about, I've been at Maxim six, maybe five, six months or so at the time. So I was 16. I'd just probably left school by this point. So Lewis was one of the, yeah, he was the first person to start booking me outside of Maxim's. Learned something new every day. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh... And, but then I say I've always kept in touch with Lewis. So right. got, kind of relationship outside of music as well and um he's not been DJing for a while but obviously I booked him for my event in Burnley. Yeah. So it's kind of full circle. So we were saying <laughs> he was like, I always remember I used to pay bloody thirty quid to come <laughs> to come to come at Maxim's now. He said he said I don't think I can get you for that now. Crazy. So, crazy. Yeah. So yeah that was outside and then um yeah I think after about seven or eight months and then especially when the frequency C D went out um, bookings were just coming in from everywhere then. Were you um, getting booked as MC Finchie or were you just getting booked as like frequency? No, MC Finchie. Oh, was yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. The first, 
thing we did as frequency was at um, first frequency gig. It was at a pub called the Farmers Arms in Stockport. I've heard the story. Yeah, <laughs> like Alex, Alex, like dressed it up. Oh, I've got us a booking in Stockport. Um, I'll take us to the club. Like, oh, what's it called? He's like, oh, um, I don't know. The lad said it's so normal. We got there. Jesus Christ. Oh. It was like, it was rough. I mean, it's one of them, you know, if they had a pub quiz, the first question they'd ask was, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those types. Oh. So, like, I've gone in there, I was like, Jesus, what, what is going on here? Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, Alex then managed to, he said, oh, I've got, a, there's a club in Southport who's interested in letting us do something um, at FUBA. Yeah. So he said, uh, we're going to get 100 quid each, um, and yeah, we can put it on. I was like, Hundred quid each. Yeah, in. big that money sounds, at the time. Sounds good to me. Yeah. And I always remember the first frequent we got there. All we ever did promotion wise, we put it on the forum. But yeah. I think we kind of knew that everyone was really thirsty for a for a, for an I event. It, yeah, yeah. So we got there. The queue was down the street. We've gone in the club. It was an absolute. It was shit all. <laughs> um, and there was like at one point the speaker kept falling down on, off the wall. At one point, there was people just off the box, just taking in turns holding like a PV speaker up in the corner. There's like okay, right, come on, I'm a bit tight, like waving. <laughs> right, so shout out my right. Can someone go and hold the speaker for ten minutes? That's what it was like. But that just summed summed up what it was like. You know, it was all just pretty carefree. Was we found it funny? We found it hilarious. Like yeah. anything bad that happened, we all just laughed. We found it funny. The worst <laughs> thing that that ever happened. The most bad stuff that happened the more that we'd all laugh but yeah. apart from one person who always took exception that was john neal mr mm. serious yeah but then they're angry that he'd get the harder we'd all laugh <laughs> so it was like it was a never-ending never-ending um cycle i think culminated one night in john really losing his rag and uh, picked up a lot of paper strips like from tickets or something and like chucked them in alex's face <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it isn't it yeah but um we've i just want to ask you as well because obviously a lot of people um put you and john together when, when it comes to things like first time i ever met you it was a uh, finchy and um finchy and john neil set in in whitehaven um you've done a lot like you've done a bits and bobs for like bounce heaven and stuff like that yeah. um how did you meet john uh, so I met John, Alex and Hodge, they were from Liverpool, um, so everyone in Liverpool in the music scene knows each other, don't they, mm. uh, in all, across all genres, it's, mm -hmm. you know, they look after their own, um, they always have done, Yeah. so they, John at the time was doing more hardcore stuff, but I think at the time he was DJing at the Sunrise as well, um, right. in Liverpool, so when was John because he was he could do some bits on Photoshop when we did the event Alex has approached him and said oh can you do this event and I think John said oh um, and Alex said you can jump on it so I think Alex had said oh we know this lad called John Neal he's, he's, he's a good DJ we'll put him on and I was like again yeah let's go for it and you know if you say he's good then yeah, you know, we'll stick him so. on um, and I think but he couldn't make the first one for some reason I think he was at an Everton game yeah. somewhere so he couldn't make the first one but then I think we recorded another frequency and then I think that's where that's where I met John at that point and then Was so he Mr Serious from day one? Uh, he was, no he's not Mr Serious I think it's yeah the certain stuff like certain we used to get in certain situations where again it's you, you've just got to laugh otherwise you'll cry <laughs> but where we found the funny side yeah John never did but then we used to just because when he used to get angry, we'd all just laugh more. But was it so like that as soon as you met him? That's what I'm saying. Like, um, no, it, I just remember it, it. Just certain situations, like you know, 
It's, <laughs> but yeah, when we'd all meet, all four of us would meet up. It always get there'd always be one point within the night, whether it was making music or discussing what we, what we want to plan doing. There'd always be at one point where if someone like said a joke and then we'd all just start laughing, he wouldn't find it funny. We'd just carry on laughing because <laughs> he wasn't finding it funny. That was just what yeah. it was always like. But obviously, yeah. me and John like still good friends now, and yeah, for about. 15, 16 years. It's crazy how time, time flies, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, like, you, you've started doing these frequency events, you've done Southport. Um, that built up, like, a, like I remember the recordings and stuff coming out from, uh, like, Fubar. And, yeah. like, I don't know whether what it was, but I always thought it always sounded like a, the atmosphere always sounded dead electric. And it's like, yeah. I, it was a bit of, like, free for all, if, if, if I remember right. Yeah. Now. Yeah, I mean, we used to, a couple of my mates who used to come to Bounce, there was like, not two of my mates in particular, Kenny and Lynchy. Um, rest in peace, Lynchy, miss you. Um, they used to go to all the hardcore, there was massive hardcore heads, like, you know, they'd come to like the Bounce night, but it wasn't for them. There was like yeah. Mad, HGID, Raver Baby, all that kind of, went to like the Santry and all that. And they came to FUBA and then they came and there was like, that's the closest thing I've ever come to a hardcore rave. Yeah. Um, that, the atmosphere was just unbelievable. Very similar that. energy, isn't it? It's yeah. like it was... euphoric, uplifting. Mm. Um, I think that's why I was so drawn to hardcore, because it was like, well, this just sounds like what I make, but a little bit faster. And it's yeah. like, and I, I found when I seen you come over to the hardcore bit and do a bit there, it was like how adaptable your rhymes and flow was in into the thing. So obviously I've listened to a couple of your sets, the hardcore sets. Um, what was it I listened to first? Was it a Fracas and Darwin one? Mm. And like you were dropping your rhymes with the flow, but a hardcore speed and it just seemed to, to work. And Yeah, I mean, at the time I'd always been into hardcore, but it took a bit of a backseat because Bounce was, was kind of... Well, no, it was a big thing around here though, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, that's, it was, that's what it is. It was only... And then I went to my first hardcore rave in about 2000 and seven maybe mm. HCID at Birmingham and I was like wow this is like next level so <laughs> kind of Kenny Lynch had been mithering me for years to go with them yeah. um, so I went and I used to go to the odd one every now and then I used to go a lot with Jay Parker and Mick Omerod do you know he was, I don't know, was in no, Destructive no. Tendencies oh yeah yeah sorry Mick, I don't know so yeah. yeah I used to go down with Mick and I always say one of my worst hang. I think I drank on the way back from Birmingham. I drank a full bottle of Sambuca and I woke up in mix. It's the worst hangover ever. He <laughs> came in, squirted me with a water pistol. It was like roasting like it is today. He said, "Right, come on. I've ordered a minibus. We're going to Blackpool for the day." I'm like, "Oh God!" So I've got on this minibus and I, halfway through, I just went, "Drop me off." Just on, <laughs> pull off a Charlie on the motorway. I just got off and got a taxi. I always remember that. But when I was watching the MCs on stage there and what it was like, I was like. Yeah, I want. I kind of want a bit of this now. Yeah. Um, and I got um, prior to me going. I think Watsy had reached out and, yeah. like, said he was, you know, he was a fan of what I did and stuff. So we kind of built up a bit of a rapport and, um, you know, became kind of friends with him. Um, and he was just saying, he said, "Oh, it's just it's a bad time to start now." He said, "You know, you probably just carry on doing what you're doing." He said, "There'll be there'll be a time." So when I came. So skipping forward, I had like the time, um, you know, 10 years later or something, when I came back, I was like, right, I want to make a go like the hardcore thing. So mm -hmm. when I was writing my new rhymes, when I came back, I was 50% of them were adaptable, so I could use them on bounce and hardcore. Yeah. So if you listen to my hardcore sets, there's a lot of rhymes that I'll say on the hardcore that I don't say on bounce. There's When you listen to a bounce set, you'll listen to a lot of stuff I don't say on hardcore. Yeah. But then you'll listen to the certain rhymes that I do say on both. So they was designed purposely to fit 
to, yeah, fit, that both, genre, yeah, to yeah. fit both genres. Yeah. So um, you've obviously you're starting to get um, well known and stuff like that, and you've the the frequency thing is well established because I remember seeing like flyers on forums and that, and it was like, as you say, you said you weren't you weren't advertising it, like you weren't getting physical pictures printed and mm. put in the thing. So like you, you had a natural sort of audience, and I always remember on MSN there was like my mates would send me like links to like when you're doing the recordings and stuff like that, and I was just uh, it, it just it picked up so much like natural um, traction. Traction. It was, so it was as well. It was mad because during COVID, obviously, it was the massive live stream era. Mm. But we was doing that in two thousand seven. Yeah, like, I think I don't know what volume it was about four or five. Hodgie was, he's like a bit of a tech tech wizard. Um, he said, why don't we stream it? You know, because Wigan Tonight had the facility where, because when we used to record, we used to go live as well on mm. Wigan Tonight. And they got a facility where you could like live stream. So we got a webcam and then that's when we started doing the live streams before it became live streams. A lot of people like seeing that, like I remember seeing, I don't know which, which volume it was. I think it was like maybe around about seven, eight, nine, something like that. And seeing like, Oh, that's who Finchie is. That's the you know German. I mean? So you get yeah. put in there first, and you get to see. Uh, obviously, there's that famous one you did with Roach, uh, yeah, the back to back, yeah. and it's like you get to see how the, how he's a flowing and bouncing off each yeah. other. And I think if that video didn't come out, I don't think it'd have been as popular the the audio because it, you can it, you can see the energy in the room yeah, when you yeah. when you're doing it. And I remember seeing the ones where like you were being daft and that, and oh, I don't yeah. know where you were at. It was like somebody someone's room and you're yeah, wearing england room. top and stuff yeah. yeah and it's like is it just being daft and it give off like a relatable energy well yeah. i thought it did anyways but yeah that was like i said that just sums us up that's what it was like we didn't yeah. take ourselves serious i mean i still don't really take myself that mm. serious we've always we was always the same and i think like you said people um you know connected with that and you know it's relatable so like i said with that we did get a lot of traction and that was evident in the numbers that we used to pull for events, the, the people used to travel from all over. Events, we always remember we did an event in Barra, soon mm. he had us up there. Yeah. We booked a full hotel. We took a, we booked 50-odd rooms in a hotel, people Ridiculous. in the northwest. Ridiculous. You know, that's just what it was like at the time. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to to sort of not move away from the frequency thing, but, like, just want to focus on the on the, the Finchy thing for now. Um, you, that as that's going on, are you still doing like? Are you still going everywhere as Finchy as well? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, at the time, it was crazy. Between say like two thousand seven to about two thousand eleven, it was like three, four, five gigs a week. You know, you do. T I was signed up to a, like a residency with I think it's called Club TV, which was an under 18s brand. Mm. So they used to do events right across the UK. I vaguely um, remember that. But it was like, it was very commercial under yeah. 18 so i'd be on a bill with like dj ironic n-dubs chipmunk I, titchy strider do you remember that actually yeah um, yeah then like yeah. there was me blackout um i think that was it from our scene yeah me and blackout basically so we was yeah we'd do events and there'd be all these guys before they became you know big time big stars, yeah. so we'd do we'd normally do one or two of them a week um and friday i'd do two or three on a friday then do two or three on a saturday and it was just like that every week for for years so it was yeah it was, yeah. It was crazy so um and round right about this time the bounce heaven thing came along as well you were doing yeah. bits with the bounce heaven lot that was in preston that wasn't it? Yeah. yeah preston i always remember as well because to me it was just another it was another booking um yeah. doing this bounce heaven thing i thought it was going to be 
I thought it was going to be dead, to be honest. Yeah. I thought, oh, what, what is this? Um, kind of got the concept, but I didn't think it was going to work. Yeah. Um, and I'd been at a gig earlier on, and then I was on with John, and then um, I texted John and said, oh, rubbish is it? Because I was thinking, <laughs> if it's rubbish, I'll just text the promoter and yeah. say, I'll not bother coming. And he said, he said, you're not going to believe it when you come here. He said, I'm not going to say anything, just wait till you get here. And I've walked in, and there was like yeah. 1,500 people in there. I'm like, what the hell? Um, obviously, it was the first time really that we had proper sets as well. Um, yeah, very organised, nice. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was done the right way. And um, it was, I always say it was way ahead of its time because at the time, all the events were you turn up and you just share right. the mic between you all night. So, yeah, I prefer really that took off. format, to be honest with you. Like, for me, I like the idea of looking forward to a specific set. So, for instance, like, you don't need to be, uh, say, frequency set all the time with you and John. Where So, like, you sometimes maybe do different pairings. Yeah. And, um, it's, I think that's more exciting than just saying, right, we've got these DJs and then these MCs on the flyer where it's yeah. you advertise it and be like, Finchie's on tonight with, I don't know, sort of, I don't know, say Wiggy, for, for instance. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I've never heard that set before. So you can... Yeah. And then I, I, I like that the idea of that. And it was always like, I remember seeing, uh, was it was it Fitz? Fitzy and Rossi. And yeah. um, Bad Behaviour doing like a back-to-back thing. I thought, fucking hell, they're two of my favourite producers. Like, yeah. I'd love to be there. Yeah. It's just one of them things. It's like, I think that's what the, the scene's lacking now. Um, I don't want it to be like an arena show. Hello. Come here, Mark. <laughs> Come on. Come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't want it to be an arena show um, uh, as such, but like, maybe sometimes it's it's good to have a bit of a format. Some, like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think it's most nights now are like that. Um, yeah. I mean, even like Sopranos, where it does might seem like it is kind of every man for himself. Yeah. It, it is structured in a way. So between certain amounts of hours, you've got to be, you know, there to to man man the mic. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it's very rare these days that I don't really have a, an actual set. Um, I mean, the event that me and Kenty put on straight through last Saturday that was one of the main reasons I want I put on that night is because I did want to do an event where I go. There's no real structure as such although I still put a structure in place yeah. but you know it was good to just go and just kind of let loose whenever I wanted yeah. um, you know I don't know if you, did you see like I don't know if you've seen the remit I put up for MC so like in the group <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah 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 so there was a bit there was still a bit of structure to it but it was good to still just go on and you know get on when I wanted within you know the space of the four hours when we had the mic turned on yeah um i i just so for whatever reason i know your name might be more of an attraction so when you're on it might be just you or not like a lot of these yeah. events but when i'm booked for events a lot of the time you'll see in like a little love a little like whatsapp group or something uh, where it's like this night and then it'll, it'll put in the set times or whoever's running it and then it'll say like mc's on rotation yeah. like sometimes when i'm on and i'm just like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> like it's just a bit of a free-for-all there's no yeah. i mean yeah there's i mean there's only really as well i mean that you're probably right in saying when i do get booked i get given a set and yeah. i'm normally left on myself to do it yeah because yeah i don't really i don't mind going back to back with people but it's got i've got to be into yeah. it I, I prefer it if i know them and yeah you know they they know me i don't want to go to you want to be like yeah an absolute yeah, fucking plant pot of, yeah you know, of randoms it's just not it's just not what I'm used to. I, I don't really do many gigs like that. Like I said, most gigs now I do a, 
Decent. kind of pref- yeah, yeah good events and yeah. they normally have a structure to them so i just want to get on to this bit um now uh in 2000 and when was it 2012 was it yeah you sort of took a back step and went, yeah you didn't went to australia didn't yeah, you? yeah moved away so i think it was as i mentioned before around 2010 things started tailing off a bit and i yeah. caught back massively on the gig so like i said i was kind of burning myself out a bit doing too much and then mm-hmm. Got to the stage where I just started doing one gig a weekend, um, and then each one of them gigs was getting worse and worse as, yeah. as the weeks. Even went the good on. ones, the numbers. Yeah, were dying, the yeah, numbers yeah. were the numbers were declining. Um, I'd been my mate was always saying about just going travelling, so I was like, you know what, let's just let's just go for it. So the plan was we was going gonna go and not come back. That mm. was like the initial plan, but again, it was just get over there and see what happens. So yeah, we went to Australia in two thousand and twelve. Um, so I did, yeah, over a year in Australia. Have you got any adventurous stories from that? Um, well, how long have you got? I mean, <laughs> it was... I drive, I drive my Mrs. Mad with them because, well, especially when I meet up with my mate who I went with because... He's like, this we, one time at well, band camp? Yeah, well, like, <laughs> like that. Don't say it, don't say it. Oh, do you remember that? In Australia? <laughs> That's what it's like. Um, I mean, it's hard to just, you know, pick stuff oh. on the spot. It was, yeah. it was pictured just going on a lad's holiday. But for a long but period. But for a year, that, yeah. that's what it was like. Heavy you know, like. it was <laughs> it was it was chaos. I mean, after a bit of time, um, though, we spent all our money, so we had to get jobs, which most people do. Did um, you have to do? I know a lot of people when they get um, a visa to go there for say six months to a year, they have to do like a public service. Yeah. So like you go like banana picking or something like that. Yeah. Well, I was quite fortunate because when I moved down to Melbourne, hmm. uh, my friend um, who I'd met through music really enough, he'd been out there for a number of years. Um, well, when I say I met him through music, I used to party with him back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he'd been over there a number of years. He got me a job with his bricklaying firm, um, just as a labourer. Mm. But his bricklaying firm were based in a place called Geelong, which is about 60 k's south of Melbourne. Mm. But that is classed as a regional zone. Yeah. So even though I was still working in Melbourne, um, from my pay... Um, pay pay YE form or whatever the version is yeah. is in Australia. I had six months regional work on my to use for my second year. Not bad, is it? Um, but the time one of my friends he'd uh, well two of my mate one of my mates had signed for a rugby team in New Zealand. Mm. Um, so he went living in Auckland and one of my other best mates went with him. So I, f- I thought you know what after a year in Australia I thought I'll go over to New Zealand for a bit. So I went over to New Zealand for about four months. Um, and then the plan was I was going to come home for a few weeks and then go back to Australia and do my second year. But then I came back for a few weeks, and um, within that time, I'd been offered a gig in to go to Malia mm. and, and MC every night at like the biggest club club over there. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of humming and there and what to do. And I thought, you know what, I'll just go over to I'll go to Greece. So I went over to Greece then for five months, um, and then that's what really made me get the love of it back again because I went over to Greece I was it was a lot of well established different, DJs different scene, isn't it? yeah it was like house music commercial and then I've just gone up there like done my thing and there was all like who, we, who, we, who are you, you know, well no one like, knows Finchie yeah, no, yeah exactly a lot of the, the artists there are the more like urban artists commercial yeah. um, a lot are kind of based down south so they don't really know about the, the bounce scene or yeah. didn't know of me so there was um, that's when I kind of noticed thought I mean, it sounds like I'm blowing me on trumpet, but like when I go in somewhere, I know like if I get on the mic and stuff, people can't know who I am. Mm. 
Whereas I went over there, nobody knew of us, but you know, heads were turning and people like were taking notice. Mm. And then that's where people were saying, like, why, why don't why haven't you heard of you? Why don't you promote yourself? Because I never did. Like I said, I just yeah. I'd wing it, just take each gig as it come. I didn't know where my gigs were gonna come from. They just come in. There was no planning. Um so it's after when I was over there and I had a bit of time to reflect and think, I thought, yeah, you know what? I feel like there's some unfinished business and I don't think I've kind of tapped into my my own potential so that's i made a conscious decision that when i come back i thought you know i'll give it a good go and yeah see where it takes me um so i had aspirations then to because i met a lad over there called called dom um and he had some big links into like people who used to run festivals and stuff so he was like the way that you the way that you are over over here he said there's nothing stopping you getting on a festival at creamfields or something like yeah. that he said but you've got to do it in this way so i was like Right, okay, so that's when um, I changed my whole thought process and thought, when I came back, I thought, you know, I'll give it I'll give it a good go and see where it takes me. And When um, you came back, you are more like hosting, like you, you're yeah. not hosting, but because I, I know for a fact you still done the rhymes, but you just seemed to hold out rather than go so like all guns blazing and people were anticipating the rhymes. So when so when the drop came in and you, you were doing them rhymes, it was like a weighted yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I can remember when you came back and it was it was like, oh, this is this is different. But like yeah. in a really good way, don't get me wrong. Um I prefer that that style because I mean it's easier for a DJ when you when you're playing yeah. as well. But yeah, you seem you seem to um I'm I'm being I'm judging character here, but you seem no. to carry yourself a bit better when you when that Yeah, like then, I said, it was like I, I I never took myself serious. Like mm. I was I was pretty like unprofessional really. I didn't some weekends I'd be triple booked. I wouldn't even know. I'd just say yeah to anything. I didn't have a diary. I didn't know yeah. what I was doing. I'd just normally get see a flyer just a week before <laughs> and think, oh yeah, I'm, I'm there this week. So when I came back, I was like, right, yeah, I want to, um, yeah, be more professional. Is this when more you considered your work-life balance and everything like um, that? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit, um, but I think at the time, that's the first time when I've, I've kind of had a plan and thought, right, if, if I'm... So my plan was, one of the things I've always wanted to do is I wanted to get onto Creamfields. So I was like, right, if I'm going to get onto Creamfields, how am I going to do it? Mm-hmm. And then I'd, I'd end up getting mates with people over the years and then I've, you know, just said, oh, what would be the chances? Um, you know, can you make... And then one of the guys, Cy Helliwell, who's involved mm-hmm. with, like, Grief and with Barry, who yeah. run that, um, he came to a BTID event. Um, so at the time I'd started doing stuff with BTID who yeah. coincidentally was going down more the hosting route which you know after I'd come back from Mali I'd, I'd, you I'd, slotted right I'd, in yeah once because that's the thing with full on him seeing if when I first got there I was doing too much but I'm doing a full night on my own seven nights a week so mm-hmm. within three days my voice was going so then that's when I learned how to hold yeah, back yeah. and hold the crowd yeah. Um so yeah, the BTID. That's when Cy came, seen what I did, and he was like, "He said, yeah, we said we'll we'll put you on." So, you know, there was being that way, it opened up a few more a few more doors. But I mean, a lot of it wasn't by choice. There's still I'd still like to get somewhere and you know really drop all my rhymes. And oh yeah, but yeah. You've got to let, let yourself go sometimes. Haven't yeah, you? I mean, but a lot of it is just there's a physical block. You can't physically go to a night and MC non-stop for seven hours. So if you're there for like six seven hours. You can't physically do it. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that's... I think definitely Mali was the place where I properly seasoned myself as a host and um, I, I can literally count on 
one hand the amount of people who can actually properly horse people just don't get it yeah. and I think until you actually go and do a season somewhere and you have to MC every single night you'll never understand the full concept Absolutely. of what it is yeah I get that I get that I get that definitely so what year was, was this then like obviously you were trying to get in with the Creamfields a lot on that yeah uh, um, so I came back in so I left 2000 2012 and I came back late 2000 I came back in September uh, First year Reminisce was on. I came back the day before Reminisce, the first one, so I think it was 2014. Right. So that's the that's the first gig I came back to. Um, and you thought, fucking hell, things yeah. have changed here. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's when I was like, yeah, this tends to be a step in the right direction because yeah. I think a lot of the connections of people who were new, everyone was, they've been doing run-of-the-mill stuff for years and yeah. everyone was looking at, you know, going bigger and better. So I was just fortunate enough to to be kind of on that, jump on that ride and be, again, timing. Everything is just timing. Um, I was around at the right time and by that point I'd, um, I'd progressed. I'd, I'd added another string to my bow and I could, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I could go and do a house gig, I could go and do bounce, I could horse all night, I could MC all night if I wanted. You know, yeah. that's just how it, how it... There's nothing wrong with being versatile as well, do you know what I mean? Like, it's... it's a lot of DJs don't realise that you, you need to be like be versatile. We'll say that a lot of MCs don't because you'll see these lads who like the grime MCs that or they'll go for that. But then question why they're not on like an event? And it's like, well, is there any other MCs in that style who do that? No, there yeah. isn't. So that's why you're not on it. Mm. Whereas you see some people who are just hosts as well, and they can't do the sort of rushy yeah, fucking yeah. fire it all out so like there's definitely a happy medium within it yeah. all I, I find anyways um, yeah and it's horses for courses some people like the full on stuff some yeah. people don't so as um, a majority thing though I think I think if you were to go to a wider audience like I wanted to ask you this as well about Australia like if you you were over there they've got their NRG scene and mm. There isn't any MCs. Like, oh, oh, dead like at the time. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it went. I was gutted because I went <laughs> over there thinking, right, so go to one or two. Yeah, events, so I dropped yeah. Alex an email and I was like, I said, yeah, let me know when the next event's on. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, we'll do, bro. And then there was never any events. It just completely died off. So yeah. it's only started coming back now, really. I know. Well, I, was, I was at a gig in Belfast last week and Sunset Brothers with us. So I was having like a good chat with them about it and stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, they were just saying it's. Obviously, it's gone. It's gone massive. They're, they're, they've yeah. really blew up. They're doing really well for themselves. Um, the decadence nights over there, are, you know, they're looking they're, they're firing. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen the I'll, girls with the, the chainsaws on her chest and yeah. that, and the fucking fire. It's like so it's, you don't get that sort of production here. <laughs> but it's it's mad because yeah, I was looking forward to. You know, I might have done a bit over there, but there was just no energy events there at the time. It yeah. completely died off. We at the same time as what it did over here. Um, it's only made a resurgence the last five six years or something like that yeah so we'll move forward now um i booked you in 2016 uh, and you came up my way um and from what from that night i w i thought like i don't know how to put this into words but like you come back as like a sort of new animal like when i put you on i can remember coming in the club but i don't know if you can remember this or not but like people like like hanging off you like that, the, yeah i think it's yeah, that, I think security had to escort yeah. me out. That so, I couldn't yeah. get out. I was trying to leave, but people won't let me leave. Yeah, so like when when after the set, I says, "Mate, you're gonna have to come down." Like the only reason was I don't even know if you know this part of the story. The only reason was we thought to do it is because there was a girl on the left hand side, and she was getting like 
weird. Um, she she took her knickers off and threw them at you, but like, <laughs> and like one of the still balance- got them now. <laughs> <laughs> one of the balancers came and says, "Listen, this is this is going to be dangerous for Vegas down here because they're like people were like right in front of you, right in your face, and that." So then we got you out the back door, like yeah, and yeah. to like get you escorted through the crowd because it was like a fucking celebrity who just walked in or something. But yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a really good night. Um, but I think a lot of that is the thing that that's changed around that period is the Snapchat thing and selfie yeah. kind of thing. So it got to the it got to the um, I think a lot as well because of the stuff that I was doing and I mean I, I was like even like planning like my image. So I was like right every gig now I want to look like a techno DJ, sad <laughs> as its own. So I was like, right, so then at least I know it's just black T-shirt, black jeans, black trainers. Mm-hmm. That's just what I wear, every single thing. So if I'm on stage, people know it's Who me. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, There's nothing wrong with that as well. No. Like, And I think it became, because I was I was doing the bigger gigs, I was doing gigs left, right and centre, different yeah. different genres. Um, it kind of, I think bounce, it became a bit uncool, but I think it became not as cringy. Um, and then the Snapchat thing came about where everyone wanted selfies. So that's the thing that's taken over now because back in like 2010, you might yeah. get people asking for the odd picture, but whereas now it's like, it's manic. Like yeah. That night was the... ridiculous, by the way, just so you know, like for the people taking photos, like it was the people climbing up on the sides of the, the, the like balcony bit where it was. It wasn't like a high balcony, but climbing up on the side and like getting like a video with just like even me and it was just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But like that's what it was like sort of everywhere for you when at that, 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 that time. Um, yeah. I always remember you were always pushing like the Snapchat thing as well because if you knowing that someone might upload it onto social media and it's like Oh, is that you would? That's Finchy, and then that, that's just automatic yeah, sort yeah. of free promotion, and it's well. That's what I learned a lot from from a lot of the guys who were out in Malia. They was really like promoting themselves hard, and yeah, um, you know, they was doing kind of all right for themselves and opening up different avenues. So I took a lot of inspiration from them, and at the time, nobody really in Bounce was doing anything remotely like that. So I'd only set up my page in like 2016, my mm. Facebook page. Um, and I think just, again, from that reaction, I think I got, like, I had 6,000 followers after 24 hours. <laughs> just, like, it just went it went mad. Yeah, um, so I knew there was, like, some legs in it. I, I kind of always knew there was a lot of untapped potential, but I just I couldn't be asked. The door was always open. I just could never be asked stepping through it. So it was that's at the, at the point where I thought, you know, let's, let's change things up and let's give it a good go and see where it takes us. Do you think now, like in today's climate, um, there's there's untapped marketing within bounce because a lot of people seem when they put nights on it all seems to be the same format whereas you were saying like with the, the whole snapchat thing and like do you reckon there's a little avenues that, that bounce haven't explored yet with, with marketing yeah and i've and, said it i've said it all along just do what i do instead of looking inward look outward look mm-hmm. at other scenes look at what and this goes for producers it goes for djs it goes for mcs anybody photographers whatever whatever you do within the music industry or well yeah. any type Don't of business what you do. instead them, of looking right. upwards and copying what they're doing yeah look outwards and think what is the best in if you're an mc to me like drum and bass are the best mcs yeah. right so what they're doing what content are they pushing out yeah how are they marketing themselves what are they doing right i'm gonna do that absolutely you know and producers like I well, find I went I'll, the other way with producing. Like I was taking elements from other things and like solely doing it like that. And it, people, the bounce heads, didn't like the ch- that much change. So you have to find the balance where it still needs to sound 
like something they know, but take inspiration, say, as you showed me that tune before, like with hard style or take something from garage or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, there's, there's a fine line within bounce because people who love bounce love it for what it is. And then when you like, I, as I say, I went too far the other way trying to, trying to like incorporate other styles. And it's like, well, that's not, that's not bounce. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, you said that though, but there is, I mean, when I first started doing bounce and started MCing, mm. like I said, a lot of people were just on about bitty bitty bad boy and, you know, mm. I'm going to, you know, stick a knife in your face and all this, <laughs> and, you know, the bloody electricians. Yeah. So I just went completely the opposite direction and it kind of clicked on. So it can, it can work. Yeah. And it's, I mean, like I said, that's a thing as well with a lot of people in the scene. It's, they do the same things over and over and expect different outcomes and that's, well, it's just insanity, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. Um, so it is, like you said, you've got to sometimes push push the boat out, go outside your comfort zone, think out the box. Yeah. Uh, I've said it for years, like for DJs, there's nobody in Bounce who's doing stuff like James Hype and like yeah. Danny T, like, you know, properly doing stuff on the decks. It's they copy what Nicky B's been doing for 20 years and think it's, you know, it's a yeah. revelation. Yeah, it's not. Absolutely. That's the only reason I think nobody's really massively come through um, yeah. and taken the mantle because I do worry sometimes thinking, like, who's going to take over the mantle? Because well, yeah, all, the top, all the top dogs, everyone's right. getting older. Yeah. And there's not really many. Like, it's, I sometimes think to myself now, are we, because I always find it's always rehashed classics and chart remixes. And for me, it's like, at what point does it become an old school scene? Yeah. Like, I don't want it to be that. I want it to be, I want it to stay fresh and you're trying to bring names through, but like, no offence to some people, um, but you you were talking about reinventing yourself and stuff like that. There's a lot of people who, who've got these old tricks and it's, it's worked for 15, 20 years mm. and they're just still playing the same classics, playing the same sort of set but in a different order. Or, or, or MCing, like the, the, the do rhymes which they know works, but at what yeah. time does it become nostalgic rather yeah. than fresh? I know it's something we could argue about for forever and ever, but it's it's... There's, there's definitely a balance in people coming to the nights for, for reliving the youth and then people, this is fresh music, this, this is, I've never heard this guy, he's cool. Like, if somebody came along now and it was, as you say, someone like a Danny T or someone, James Hype or someone like that and played, every other DJ out there would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and it wouldn't take long before you've seen videos of this DJ going out there doing yeah. that and it's like a breath of fresh air all over again. Yeah, but and just nobody's just got the nose to. Is it complacency? It. I don't know. That's, uh, well, like I said, I think it it comes down to a lot of people look at what the favorite yeah, producers doing, yeah, the favorite yeah. DJ, the favorite MC, and think, yeah. well, if I just copy what they do, then, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some up and comers out there that probably might be able to perform at a similar level, but yeah. the thing it they might get cheesed off because they're not getting noticed, but they're just doing stuff that's been done for 20 years yeah. so that it's not gonna that stuff's not gonna get people noticed and that like i said that goes for everyone djs producers mcs because exactly. uh, you see a lot of people getting griped online and um and that's that's all they're doing they've just got to do something different yeah words of wisdom <laughs> right we'll close up this section and we'll do the the questions right, cool. so we're back in two minutes yeah probably. so we're back again with part two of two um this is the questions um what people have wrote in. Uh, if you want to write in to the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook and just drop us a message with your with your questions. Anything at all, anything goes. We've read some stupid questions on here before and we've read some really good ones. There seems to be a lot of people interested in the industry at the minute. So I just want to get into this with you. Um, 
Hi mate, who's your favourite DJ to come out of Cumbria and why? And that's from Jamie. Favourite DJ to come out yeah. of Cumbria. That's um, obviously a local lad. Um, yeah. I feel I feel like there's a lot of untapped talent in Cumbria, but same with the northeast lads. Um, I was talking with um, Ben Russian about this the other day. There's a lot of lads who are maybe not in the Harpy, that's like the Wigan area, so you're Burnley, Blackburn, Accrington, um, Preston, Blackpool, and I find that maybe the like not overlooked because I don't think it's overlooked. I just think that oh well, I'm from there, they won't sell tickets for my event. That's that's how it is. Yeah. Um, and a couple of names that, that come to my head from say like from the northeast. Um, there's that. Well, there's actually a few lads getting booked from the northeast at the minute. That Alan Ben seems to be doing all right. Yeah. Um, there's there's that Hardy M. Uh, a couple of like producers who's doing doing all right. But as I say in Cumbria, there's a few really talented DJs out there. But I feel like there's sometimes an afterthought. Would, yeah. Would you agree? Um, yeah, potentially. I mean, like I said to you before, I think geography does play a part in it, mm. especially for me. I think if I wasn't from Wigan, I, I don't think I would have been half as successful as what I've been. I yeah. definitely would have made it in some guys, but I'm quite fortunate where the whole town's behind me. Um, mm. And because we are within the heartbeat of, of the actual bounce scene itself... It's, yeah. it's helped massively play, play a part so yeah I totally understand that and I mean I can see it from both side of things both side as well from, from being a promoter and being a being an artist and yeah I mean you probably would think right if there's a DJ who's up in Newcastle or Essex Birmingham wherever yeah. and they're the same bring the same thing to the table as somebody else who lives local it's just, Why it's not just, go local, yeah, yeah, it's just an easier, exactly. easier thing yeah um, but again it comes down to um, for people outside the catchment areas is to put themselves in the shop window and do something different yeah. um, I mean like with hardcore for instance a lot of that is like, like Midlands based and you know stuff down south yeah. I'm just I'm from up north I brought something different to the table and then I've been taken into the fold yeah um, so it does work it's again it's just finding that that something to stand you, out absolutely um, yeah I, I think in answering to your question i mean the ones that stand out is, is obviously zuni i've yeah. known for a long time um he made a success of it not yourself chris um really like uh, gary keeler as well from carlisle yeah. Yeah. um he, he's like obviously he can play a different genres range of different that, yeah. genres um and yeah he knows his stuff so yeah they're the they're kind of the main ones from from cumbria um right. Um, for me, I'd, I'd have to say, um, there's a lad called Andy Kelly. Um, always rated him as a DJ, bit of a fucking scratch wizard as well. But I, I did a podcast with him a couple of weeks ago, um, a couple of months ago now actually. And honestly, like he was showing me some of the stuff he's writing and it's like it would slot into bounce so well. It's a 140, you would call it, I don't know, it's like hard house slash trance. Mm. And it's it's got like a big techno kick, nice offbeat bass. And I'm just thinking... If if the right people hear this, I think it could be big. And he, I would say, yeah, he's probably my favorite, one of my favorite DJs right, from I'll out keep of Cumbria. An eye, I'll keep an eye I'll send you some of his stuff, and yeah. you'll, you'll hear it. It's just like wow, that is that. Yeah. Do you know when you were saying about bring something different to the table? Yeah, nobody's producing music like that. I mean, you can tell his influence from like like um, David Rust or like mm -hmm. um, Patrick Toppin, Ben Nicky. It's got that sort of like energy to it, but it's still got the the hard house roots and bits of bits of like club landy stuff right. but it sounds it sounds really good um next question uh, what is the most embarrassing moment of your life um and that's from carl with the c 
of my life. Um, I mean, you don't need to share it on here, mate. I'm trying to think. No, I'm, I'm one of them. I can always laugh at myself. I don't yeah. really get embarrassed. Um, but there's one that sticks out recently, actually, that happened, which was quite embarrassing, is when me and the missus was travelling across Europe, mm-hmm. um, was heading to Milan train station to get the train back into Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And um, let's just say I caught myself short <laughs> going to the toilet, which oh, wasn't man. pleasant. Um, Been there, done that several <laughs> times. <laughs> no, it was horrific. I was like... I'd, the first places I went to, all the toilets were out of use. Um, sounds like disgusting. I hope you're not eating your tea mm-hmm. or anything. Uh, the toilets were out of use. The only toilets that were in use were down the other side of the train station. The place was the size of the traffic centre, this train station. It was huge. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's probably about it. I mean, I, I don't get embarrassed. I, I'm, I don't take, like I said, I don't take myself serious. So. I don't take myself seriously. So when I am embarrassed, it seems to be top-level embarrassment, like... There's two things that stick out in my head right now. When 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 I seen that question, it instantly came into my head, and I've, I've never told anyone this. So I'm just going to tell everybody, the 800 of you who listen a week, you're going to find out now. So um, when I read this, I just like it unlocked a memory in my head that I thought, oh, I tried blocking that out for so long. When I was younger, I don't know, 12 or 13 or something, you know, you're like, and you're just a horny little ladder. Do you know what I mean? I was I was pulling the pud, right, and. Um, all I heard was this, um, I'm thinking, what the fuck's that? And I was lying on my bed. I looked up like that, so window cleaner's just there. <laughs> I was like, oh no! That's one of my most embarrassing moments of my life. Um, Do you still see him now as well? Um, <laughs> luckily, we've got a different window cleaner. Same house as well, so that's the worst part of it. Yeah. But it, it, the, the fact that he carried on cleaning the window, because oh, yeah. obviously when I, all I heard was a, and I'm just yeah. like, oh no. And he's like, I look up and like, Everything was in my hand, and I was just like, "Oh no, what yeah. the fuck!" Um, and another one, it, <laughs> another one would be um, this. This could be one of the most embarrassing stories of my life. But I don't. I, do you know when you get like sort of passive um, embarrassment? Because you, it's just as soon as you said about traveling there, me and my missus went traveling um, to. Um, well, we went all around Europe um, doing interrailing. So we started in Denmark and we finished in Milan, and we've done fourteen different countries on the way. And then we were staying, like, we wanted to go for the proper travellers um, experience. Hostels. Hostels yeah, and trying that. And it was so good. Like, you meet so many fucking random people. It's like the first night there, there was, there was a, we stayed in Denmark and that was just like, an, there was nine of us in one room and it was just fucking such great crack. Anyways, we got down to, to Vienna and we got there late at night. We'd, we'd just got in um, and I, we're all a bit tired and that, like, do you know what I mean? So... We went, we went in and it was a, a six-person room, so there was two bunk beds to your right, another two bunk beds there, and then two singles, which was free, so me and my missus took them. So I went to sleep and whatnot, and then I woke up the next morning, but all I can remember is I like I opened my eyes and my missus is looking directly at me across the bed. And and then I took it like a moment to sort of come round, because like, obviously you expected to start talking to you, and then her eyes are going like looking down, and I'm looking, and I like sat up and looked, and there was this like Brazilian girl sitting there, completely naked, right, and like big, massive jungle out. And mm-hmm. it was like, because she see me wake up, she's like, oh, "Hi, how are you doing? Um, where, where are you from?" Blah blah blah. I start this conversation, and I'm just like, um, like just <laughs> looking away, and just like, uh, "Yeah, I'm, I've come from England." So she got sort of talking about. All you can see is that my missus covers like bouncing up and down, like she's laughing her head off, yeah. and like I didn't know how to do it, or, uh, to deal with it or anything. But I had so much. St- 
embarrassment on her behalf but like i was embarrassed because i couldn't like look at her yeah. and she was like she was like oh no it's, it's fine it's fine and all this and like she's obviously a bit of a free spirit yeah and uh, I, see I'm, I'm like intrigued by people i like I, people odd, like it? odd people they fascinate me there's yeah. like there's a close group of like my friends like with me like yeah well you won't know some of them but yeah there's yeah. me and about four or five of us and we all kind of like we click onto like the same kind of characters. Like if we spot some somebody who does something that we yeah, like, you just give each other the eye. Don't like, you? Have yeah. you seen? Have you have you got onto this guy yet? Or have you got onto this girl yet? And then we like we've all got that similar kind of yeah. It's just, hu- it's, well, it's not humour, but like you know, we, we we enjoy like them them type of people who just don't care. You know, they just <laughs> they just do not care. It's it's, it's good. I think it's a good trait to have. It is a good trait to have, but like. You can make it uncomfortable for like yeah. And, and I mean, for certain people, I mean, yeah. if somebody sat there with the moggy out, it's gonna be you know, it's gonna be embarrassing. I mean, I'd I'd find it hilarious. That, that yeah, I'd, oh, I'd no, I was look, laughing, but yeah. like, do you know when you like? Because obviously, she's just one hundred percent happy with how she is mm. and what she's doing. So like, laughing, it might be offensive to her. So I was just like, oh, oh I like just covered my full oh, face. I'd definitely laugh. I won't be able to help myself. And then I just remember like my missus laughing to this side, and then like the the bump head this what this last was on. There was like a, a, a young lass who was on top of him. She, she just woke up, sat up, looked, shook her head, and just went back to sleep. It was like, yeah. fuck. So they're, they're my two most embarrassing things. One of them was myself directly, and the other yeah. one was somebody else. Some, some, somebody else. But like, you do get like um, embarrassment on behalf of people sometimes. Like, when you hear somebody who's like really cheeky, and you just think, yeah. oh no, this, is, this isn't going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> um, next one was this is the uh, last one for today. Uh, is uh, as a young man, who did you look up to as an inspiration? And that's from Steve. Yeah. So when you were coming through as an MC, who was the who was the guy? Uh, but like I said to you before, that um, it was definitely Avi Fez, Layback mm-hmm. and Rhythm were the ones who who yeah really kind of aspired to be, and I took little bits from what they did and put my own yeah. kind of twist on it. So there was elements of. I love like rhythm was the first person we ever heard do the full on hyper rhyming stuff like yeah. the fast stuff like when I heard him, rhythm, there's always been there's probably been about three or four MCs that when I've heard I've like gone like wow yeah like what is that, um like obviously well taking having Fez out, out outside of it because they were the first I heard so that obviously blew my mind but then rhythm the first time I heard him I was like I thought he was some kind of like machine I thought he can't be he <laughs> can't be real because he, he was so yeah. different. Um, but yeah, he was one. Um, Arky, the first time he heard Arky, he like properly He's blew my mind. He was like, yeah. wow. Um, when Grimes did the sexy nun, like yeah. the GMC CD, that yeah. was like when he first got out. Um, I, I found mean, that like very different and like... Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it, I, it, the closest thing I can I can put into this, I don't know if you're into comedy or not, but like... That I always find that his style, it was like the Dave Chappelle style of like yeah. of, of bounce when he was doing, because it was always it would always be like controversial yeah. um, subjects, um, and when I heard that, I was just like, this is different, and yeah. I like this. <laughs> yeah, so that like blew me. But I mean, I'd known Grimesy because um, he was one of the guests who used to come down and do the under 18s before he made his debut yeah, yeah. At, um, at the over 18s because he was a friend of Jacko's, mm. um, so he used to come down and so I'd met Grimesy before. So I've known Grimesy again. Since, was it was he Grimesy then? No, was he's it, always been MCG. Oh no, what I mean is though, like, was he when you first heard him? Was he doing that obscure um, rhyme? No, or was he'd, he just he'd more do, of a... he'd do the odd the odd stuff, but you could tell 
even then he, 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 his rhyming was just unbelievable. Yeah, like and I think once he had a bit of time to like think about refine it, refine it, and yeah. stuff. So there was him. Um, trying to think, some of the stuff, pressure and easy do that yeah. that always blows my mind. Like they're so talented. Um, I say Jordan's only fans. Um, I it's like I said, my early inspirations were the aforementioned having yeah. FEZ lay back and rhythm. But then as time goes on and um, other MCs come into the fold and they do different stuff and you know you kind of you get inspired by stuff they do. Um, do you uh, as a producer like I feel like when I hear a, a certain producer put like another the track out and I'm like oh I need to sort of up my game. Yeah. So see when you were saying you've heard like say Easy and Pressure or or Cover do he's, he's just done that level up thing hasn't he? Mm. With Luffy. Yeah. Really do, you, do you do you feel inspired to be like. Right, well, I'll take that one step further. I always find that, that yeah. it's healthy competition. Yeah. It's not like competitive where it's cutthroat. It's more, it's like, you're doing that. I'll have to think of something outside the box now. Um, I don't, no, I, I honestly don't look at it that way. I've never been, I am a very competitive person. Mm. Um, I always have been, but... So who won music, a golf today then? Ben or you? Uh, ben did better than me today. Yeah. Competitive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, go on, sorry. No, we're, both, we're, both, we're both the same. Um <laughs> I've never been in terms of like music. I've, I've I've always been one to just appreciate it rather than think, oh, what could I do better? Or I'll try and pick a negative. Yeah. Um, I've always been about kind of sharing success. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never when I say I've been inspired, I'd be like, well, yeah, that is good, and not so much as though I need to up my game because yeah. I mean I've not really done anything really of, of note in terms of content wise for yeah. for a good f- few years now. Um, I mean, I've always keep saying I need to do new mix because I know that people keep requesting it, but mm-hmm. it's the time and, f- and and effort I put into doing a mix now is different to just turning up and yeah, you, seeing all the tunes. I uh, find that if you do something now, like um, you put it on yourself to be like, well, if I'm going to do something, it needs to be new. Yeah. It it, you can't just come on and do a purple lackey. Like, yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? You don't, you don't, you've got that drive. Or I would say that I've got that you don't want to you don't want to just recycle the yeah I just want to do stuff for the sake of yeah, it. If I'm yeah. gonna do it I'm you know I'll do it I'll come up with yeah. I mean well I think the last thing the concept came up with was like the Supreme mm. like mix CD so um, that was that was different as well like. yeah so that's when I'd, I'd I've had the thought for a year and I thought right um that well from from more than a year I had the thought for ages but I didn't have the technical know how to put it all together yeah um, but obviously since I've learned Ableton um I knew then I could. I could put that what I wanted to do. I could, I could make it become a reality, um, and then since then, nothing's really. Yeah, there's been some good stuff that other people have brought out, but I've never been one to think, oh, bloody hell, I need to up my game farm to stay relevant. Mm. I've never thought. Oh that no, not it's not stay. No, relevant. yeah, not stay relevant. I've never um, thought you know to up my game. Um, I've never, I've never come. I've never thought to myself, oh, they're doing this, so I should do this. It's more of the fact of that's impressive. Yeah. Let, let me try and do something outside the box where it's like you're just a bit for for them just to go. Well, for instance, I, to, an, an example would be um, Dazimman Poop Styles. He sends me stuff. We've talked about this on that one on his podcast. And basically, when he sent me stuff, I'd be like, "Whoa, I need to do something here, right?" Yeah. And I'd, I'd it inspire me to like up my game, and then it, it makes you better as a producer as well. Yeah. I find. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that I've have said the same as well. Like when I've so like when I've done stuff, they're like, "Oh, now you've done that, it's you know, it's ignited a bit of a fire." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think other people, I think I'm just a bit of a freak. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really, I don't, yeah. I've never really thought that way. But I do get other people like that, but. 
yeah, I just I kind of just cruise along at my own speed, and then um, like I'd not since, especially since moving, I'd not really been inspired much musically apart from, aside from doing the gigs. It's only when I set my PC up and started like looking through a few new bits. I've done a few like really good gigs recently as well, like a few big festivals. I'm like, right, come on, just need crack on. So that's why Absolutely. I got in touch with, like Fitzy and Ross. Um, to get this track done that we started working on last night and I've got a lot of other things now bubbling away and yeah, yeah it's stuff it's more music that inspires me more than what kind of other yeah yeah are absolutely doing, so to speak. I think the difference between me and you like the big difference is like you can go a long time without like doing content not yeah. not a long time but like you could you could have some sitting on the back like that album you spent a long time doing that and you didn't mention it to many people i remember when you said to me about it that you were thinking about doing it and then you sort of work chip away at that but like you can consistently still be out there doing the gigs because you're finchy mm. whereas i find now i'm constantly trying to like grind and push um to get to get my foot in the door at places yeah. and it's like if you're not putting out content you seem irrelevant and i don't want it to become a content machine I yeah. don't want it to be like, where you need to be doing this every week, you need to be doing this. Like, I want to do the podcast every week and I want to produce tunes at my own pace, but sometimes yeah. you've just got to grind that a little bit harder as someone trying to break through. Yeah, 100%. And it's just one of them things. But as I say, like, if you were to do another album, you could sit with that on the back burner and still go out as Finchy. Yeah. So it's, it's, a really, it's a really nice position that you're yeah, in. Yeah, 100%. So, and yeah. yeah, I do feel lucky to be in that as well because I do know I'm, I'm fortunate where I can kind of pick and choose the gigs. I mean, yeah. I, I turn down two three times more than the gigs I actually take yeah. i mean i'm getting inquiries pretty much like daily about doing certain dates and i turn quite a lot down because as i said my diary at the start of the year it's got to the point now where because i do quite a lot of the bigger events they tend to be held around the same time period each year all the time so yeah. i can i sat down in january and then within two or three phone calls my diary was pretty much full for the year by six seven weekends it's good that it's very so good, it's, I, I don't i'm in fortunate position <laughs> nice little cameo from the cat she's back again now <laughs> right well tie that up mate because i know you, you're busy so yeah, no um, down. yeah no problem um so where can people find you um yeah so i'm on well obviously instagram um facebook um i don't really use snapchat anymore um Facebook and Instagram are my yeah. main places. MC Finchy, is it? Yeah, the MC Finchy. And, the very um, one and only MC Mint. Yeah. <laughs> AKA MC Mint. <laughs> uh, MCFinchy.com as well, my website, but there's not really much stuff going on there at the minute. And no problem. I don't really plan to put anything anything on as of yet. But uh, Spotify as well, to follow me, MC Finchy, Spotify, SoundCloud, but yeah, mainly Spotify or Apple Music. You've got um, a bit of a playlist as well on Spotify. Yeah, I've got a bit of a playlist. I update all the time. And um, yeah, I've got some new music coming out as well um, in the next couple of months. No worries. Right, if you've enjoyed the podcast, um, I'd appreciate it if you shared it. As I say, as usual, more ears it reaches, the better, because someone could discover this podcast who might not have knew about it, and it could be their favourite thing ever, because I've been getting some really nice messages off his saying, basically, like, the look forward to it. Like, we missed an episode last week, and I had people messaging me um, saying, like, what am I going to do with my work week now when it makes it easier and stuff like that? So, like, the people listen to it while they're at work or, or they dedicate an evening to it. So, yeah, I really appreciate the, the, all the support we're getting on it. Um, thanks for listening. I'll see you later.